Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show are Atremond, a four-piece from Dublin who've just released their second album, Sensitive Assignments. The full band is Paddy Hanna on vocals, Mark Chester on guitar, Padraig Cooney on bass and Owen O'Brien on drums. We're talking to Padraig and Owen today. I don't know if you'll be able to tell, but the interview was done outside in that glorious week of sunshine at the start of September. I've talked to Atremond before, TPOE160. If you want to hear them chat about their debut album, The Imaginary Museum, that album was released just as the pandemic began to shut things down back in 2020. Three members of the band had kids over COVID, but they managed to make it back into the studio over the next year or two. Uh, again, recording with Gilliband's Daniel Fox. And the results are sensitive assignments. Per the press release, a strict no prior ideas rule was used to drive the writing process. In short, there are no pre-written songs. All songs emerged from collaborative beginnings in the rehearsal room, focused by a shared vision honed by discussions, making playlists and constantly pulling at threads. Atramand have some tour dates coming up to coincide with the release of the album. They're playing Collins in Cork on 19th of October, Prim's Bookshop in Kinsale on the 20th of October, Casey's of Wexford on the 21st, Bellow Bar in Dublin on the 27th and they're up in Belfast at the Black Box on the 28th of October. So coming up, we'll go track by track through Sensitive Assignments with Podrig and Owen delving into the studio and looking at their creative process. We end by talking about the last song on the album, obviously, called Sensitive Assignment Parts 1-4 to which is 10 minutes long. We'll play out on some maybe not all of that one but we began by talking about Popkill Island a label that Podrig ran slash runs maybe that is kind of back sensitive assignments is released on Popkill Island I think it was a pretty seminal label in creating some sort of a scene in Dublin about 10 years ago maybe a little bit before that as well you might have heard the mentioned in last week's chat with Danny Carroll from A Litany of Failures. Popkill Island put out albums by the likes of No Monster Club, Tyrannosaur and Landlovers, as well as some acclaimed compilations. 2024, I believe, will mark 15 years of Popkill Island. You'll hear Podrig talking first, and then you'll hear the voice of Owen O'Brien. Here's Atremond on The Point of Everything. What is the state of Popkill Island? When we talked uh, three and a half years ago in Cork, 
it sounded like you had plans for a bit of a reunion gig or something like that. But lately, I've seen Popkill Islanders back on uh, on Twitter. You know, kind yeah. of putting putting some nuggets out there. Yeah, all well, about uh, probably about six months ago. We uh, it's it's funny. There's a Popkill Island WhatsApp group that's always been going, and in a kind of quite comedic way, we've always had like a new like a plan to do something like there was a time when like the, th- the thing we we're going to do to like revitalize popular island was do a musical and then there was popular island gold which went a long way towards being an actual thing which would have been like a double vinyl retrospective but we um we started having trouble finding tracks like unmastered tracks that we would you know in in a, in a version or like you know in a state that we could use and basically as soon as difficulty was encountered <laughs> it killed the enthusiasm difficulty being the, uh, you, the you know yeah as soon as any bump in the road came along we decided to stop driving along the road but i think we came to a realization that you know we all still make music and while these grand projects might be hard to get off the ground that's not necessarily what it's all about anyway so uh, we said sure listen we'll start putting stuff out under the popcorn umbrella again and see you know as a start and see where that goes so um ourselves and i mean bobby never stops like bobby jukebox or no monster club never stopped putting stuff out under the popcorn island umbrella kind of kept it uh <laughs> kept the show on the road and yeah way. i was talking to him earlier this year like his album is great yeah it's really good and he has the podcast and he just seems to keep busy so so is he like ninety percent of the WhatsApp group? Uh, yeah, he's a, yeah he uh, he does he he is very active on on WhatsApp and he also uh, um, is very active obviously in in life in general. <laughs> Apart from playing gigs, which he doesn't really do anymore. Yeah, doesn't like. Owen him. would know more about this because he's uh, the drummer in the Monster Club. Yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe again, maybe a gig, maybe again <laughs> someday. Yeah. Are you a part of the uh, Popkill Island WhatsApp group as well? I, I presume you not, are. Actually. Oh no, the current <laughs> no. WhatsApp group is. Is uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's not exclusive. even a pop girl. Yeah, it is oh. very exclusive. But because it wasn't even supposed to be a pop girl WhatsApp group, it was just a WhatsApp group which devolved into the popical talk initiation. Yeah, and there's the, obviously there's just very little going on over the course of COVID and so on. I mean, where am I going with this? I think I think Pop Island is going to be uh, very much just releasing individual records for now. I think there'll be some soft on crime stuff. The new Mike Stevens will have more stuff out, but I'm not sure where else it'll go. I mean, I th- I, I still think Popular Island Gold is a good idea. Yeah, it's a great it's name. Just maybe we need, maybe we need to be kind of. It's almost like we need to be active in a kind of a day to day basis and then do that rather than try and like come from a bolt come with a bolt out of the blue from like years of inactivity. So I'd say watch the space. It might happen in the next. In the next while. Well, look, it's impressive that you've just put out an album because three quarters of Atramond have become dads. Both of you guys? No, not no? me. Oh, I'm the only one that's a dad. No WhatsApp. No. <laughs> I know. I'm, I just He's don't get the dad of a rural house, though. Yes, I'm the dad of a rural house. Lots yeah. of weeds to take care of. So, have you become like the driving force almost of Atramond, being like, "Come on, guys, let's get together." Come Absolutely on. Absolutely not. Leave the kids behind for. It's one always day. him. It's yeah. always Podrick. Um, thank God for that. <laughs> I would say musically Owen is, was very uh, very kind of driving forcey on the album though. I think a lot, I think if you trace back a lot of the songs they come from his uh, kind of original ideas or non-ideas as we we'll, yeah. as we'll explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose. We'll get into them but like how how is uh being a dad was it in the past three and a half 
years yeah, since yeah. I last so, talked to you. Yeah, daughter's two. She was two last week. Um, wow. So yeah, it's an intense uh, couple of years, but really, really good. But you know, you're kind of um, like music is a great outlet in terms of. I think people should, you know, you know, you should retain something, like whether it's a hobby or. You want to kind of put a different a, a different label on it, but whatever outlet you have, it's good. But you have to obviously just fit fit it into your more constrained schedule. Yeah. But we never stopped doing. We never stopped doing the band. Like yeah. We, we never we, stopped. We uh, we kept on with it because yeah, we should do that. Yeah. And I know so many people who didn't really either they just didn't prioritize it or they couldn't that they just lost it. But I think without you driving it, it may it may have easily just fallen. Yeah. Like, you know. Because it's, it's hard for me not having a child to go, all right, guys, let's go. And yeah. everyone's like, I have to look after my yeah. baby. Maybe. I, f- I suppose I just f- I just find myself in the administrative role with, with uh, bands all the time. And it's it's probably just a personality thing. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> are all the little Ottermonders friends? Are they all like palling around uh, while you guys are in the They were all palling around last week at... Uh, at Juno's birthday party, right here, they were all playing the sand, throwing sand at each other. So, they're they're t- like my daughter's the oldest of the three, and she's still not at the stage where she's like really actively playing with other kids. But they'd be playing in the same space, and once they tolerate each other, that's 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 a victory. Like <laughs> that's all. So the band yeah. is in the works. Yeah. <laughs> You'll take that. Um, so when did the when was uh, the new album recorded? When did you start thinking about it? Because it seems like a very studio focused album. Yeah, we well, yeah. I spot well, basically. I mean, like a lot of records probably are coming out around now. The the beginnings was during the pandemic. It, it was kind of abstract in terms of it wasn't like right. We'll record this album now and then we'll go and we'll tour it mm. in like a few months time and. It was, let's just uh, make music and somewhere along the line it will retur- result in an album. Yeah, like let's just keep meeting up Yeah. while you know we can't yeah. really do anything And we else. decided it was a good chance to just uh, write in a different way. So whereas previously, generally the songs would be, I'd bring in a sketch of a song, like, you know, a verse and a chorus or whatever, and then we'd come up with our own parts or pull yeah, around with yeah, them yeah. or say what if we did this well and like but you're kind of starting from the basis of a of a song this time this album the kind of rule was not to do that at all it was to meet up just set jam. up some instruments yeah. and mess around with things set a, a beat going or a like you know a, a sequence synthesizer or something like that and see what happened a lot of kind of just um, improvisation I suppose and uh, and that's why I say Owen is, was very important in this album because he's a, I, like I'm the worst musician in the band like I can't improvise properly I can do simple things but but like he's a, a, a very talented musician and can hop between instruments and so you'll find a lot of kind of right. like little, little riffs and hooks kind of that where the basis of the songs come from Owen this time um, where I would come in a lot of the time would be after we so we'd record all this stuff in rehearsals and listen back to it and I'm good at listening back and thinking ah oh, that bit's good but let's go into a chorus there and then I can write a chorus or I can you know I can I'd do be a very bad I'd be very bad the other way at writing something myself and then bringing it in but when we're all together in a room 
it comes much more naturally, especially with people like Padraig and Mark and Paddy, where, you know, everyone's just kind of open to an idea and then developing it, especially because we decided that's what we were going to do. And it was like, OK, OK, oh, that's good. Follow that um, and stuff like that. Whereas I couldn't bring in or I, you know, very rarely would be at home and come up with something and go, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll bring that to the lads. Whereas it's the opposite. We'd be the opposite that way. But when we do both with an idea that we come up in the room and then he'll develop it at home, it, the, all the songs just came together really quickly or like, you know, really naturally. I think. Yeah, we had about 70 or 80 little demos. Some of them were like us jamming in the room for 15 minutes and yeah. seven minutes in, there's a good bit. And we <laughs> said, oh, well, and but we sat down one day in, in the house in there and uh, went through them all mm. and picked out ones that were worth working on and we ended up with like a folder of like 30 or something so it's and still another folder it's still another folder <laughs> so then we, we went we, we went in and kind of like took one a week or one you know every few one until there was something good from it and that's how that's how we worked out the songs we said right we'll chisel away at this one until it's a song so I mean it's, it's not in the grand scheme of things it's not an unusual way of working people do that but for us it was kind of interesting and new way to approach it because we're generally more song based in yeah. our approach to music and on this one as well um, like usually what we do is we bring like Padraig would bring in the idea say and I'd be on the drums and we'd make the song with drums but this time I just didn't play drums until the studio like until the very end I just played keys and because I can't really write anything on the drums I just have to keep the song going usually uh, especially for jamming like that so yeah. I just brought keys in um, to the rehearsals and we used a drum a machine a crappy drum machine to keep everything ticking mm. over yeah yeah so it was much more interesting like to, to totally just change the way we yeah, wrote yeah. songs especially like for you yeah especially for me yeah yeah interesting what was the actual um, time frame was it during 2020 was it just like getting together in the studio like as a social outlet whenever you were allowed to do it or was we it a little later right, than that yeah we started writing in 2020 yeah I know towards the end 2020 we, re we recorded that um I think for the Litany yeah, Failures. Failures song. And I was also doing the But we did that, if you remember, we did that um, all in our own houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we did a classic kind of lockdown thing of everybody doing their bit and then, you know, very fun sending things, uploading things. But we actually, maybe it was 2021 when we started this jamming thing, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe. Or the end of 2020. I did my album at the start of 2021, end of 2020. Okay. I feel that. I wasn't. I think that headspace for Ottermont came after that. Yeah, I think so. I remember some of some of your demos when we kind of at the very beginning. Some of your demos that were were on your album, you kind of brought in. Yeah, and that's right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but so we actually recorded it. When did we record? We recorded it mostly last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apart from one song, which we recorded at the start of this year, so it was mostly twenty twenty three in terms of being in the studio with the, with Daniel, um, who we generally record with. What I suppose what I'm trying to get at here was that, that it, was, it was quite a relaxed approach. We didn't really give ourselves deadlines. There was no reason to. And, you know, it was we it was finished when it was finished, which was nice because I've definitely rushed albums before. I've kind of had like seven good songs and I'm like, oh, feck. Yeah. I'll just like... That's it, that's all I have. Songs. No, and then like, like I could, Landover's last album was a bit like that. It was kind of like we had, had a few good songs and it was like we have to make the album quickly, quickly come up with some, mm. the last few songs. And when you do that, I look back at them often and think, ah, if we only just kind of like been a bit more patient. Yeah. 
Which is really nice about recording this one as well. Yeah. Well, why would that have been? Just because you're afraid that you'll almost lose the ideas of the songs, sort of thing, or I'm just a I'm really impatient person. Yeah, I just have I just want to kind of release things all the time and and go out. I like like being busy. Yeah, I like being busy. Yeah, um, I mean, I've answered my pants as uh, your daughter. Yes, <laughs> it's like my oh yeah, it's probably take after my mother in that regard. Just kind of like. Yeah, at the expense of quality, I will. I'll oh, always go okay, for quantity. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do also that kind of stuck feeling, like when something doesn't feel like it's moving anymore, and you just want to just okay, it's not moving. Move on to the next thing. That feeling yeah. is very familiar. Yeah, it must be nice though, knowing that you've got another folder of demos, sort of thing that you can kind of delve into if needed for maybe the next album or the next kind of getting together. Yeah. yeah. Well, we even did that for the last because we 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 had we we had this album we thought finished. Yeah. And so I remember walking another... on my holiday because it's last September. I was in Spain on holidays, and I was walking along the beach listening to the mixes, and I was just thinking, oh, it's not quite right. It's yeah. not quite right. And I sent it, and I sent I sent the. Messenger into the lad saying that I wish we could we should get rid of two of these songs and do another do one last song for it and you know so we ended up doing that and it was a song we put it out as a single a while ago it was like it's like a big ten minute thing with like but that was like three it's in four parts but it was three of those demos that we just kind of went through and found ah they they might flow together if we do this and we so the folder came in handy for that yeah and so it might come in handy again in the future. Because we probably won't have that kind of sense of expanse time. in terms of time yeah. again to like just go, unless we our personalities change, um, <laughs> we we uh, you know just to go in and kind of like feel like you have all the time in the world just to kind of mess around with music with no real end goal in sight, which was where that stuff came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was that's another like way that it was nice that it felt relaxed that we didn't rush it out that you sent that message and it was like. Like I didn't even really think of it that way until you said it, and then I was like, you know, what you said was, "Why well, release something that we're not fully happy with?" That's like because we done we done we the thing I was talking about there. We had panic in in a panic. Yeah. Put two songs, recorded two songs that weren't done by the process. Yeah. They were just kind of they're here's a song thrown together. And sort of yeah. So you know, trust the process. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that you will like if you make another album or make music together that you'll kind of stick to that same thing or is it always good to kind of change things around i think it's always good to change things around i mean i think if we were to do it again we'd try a slightly different process again maybe we like, came up with a new band recently yeah another exactly. band, which was uh well well it was the same people and it, but it was like a it was kind of trying to force ourselves to write in a different way again yeah in um, between in between like finishing this album and releasing it it was like oh we're, we're getting to together we have no gigs coming up so let's just we have to do something so it kind of became another idea because the songs weren't really turning out and we were going to support ourselves at our gig in Whelan's recently but we ended like which again just the the the, pro the project was better as a yeah as a kind of a joke didn't Not really joke. have time it was to better do a full as set idea. as another band full set as another band like, come on <laughs> uh, so we did one song by the other band yeah <laughs> but, uh, is, is the other band a, a thing now though or is it already like in the bin I don't know yet I mean it's a possibility that the other band just becomes the next Ultramond record yeah 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 because the song that we did play I mean as we as we remarked there's really no reason why this is could yeah. be an Ultramond song it's yeah. not like as we as we developed it it's just like oh it's kind of it's just an Ultramond song now it's like not really a new band but the yeah. other ones we we wrote 
yeah we were trying to be kind of a bit quite uh hazily folky um in a way just make yeah. a different sound yeah different type of music They're, interesting yeah yeah i wonder like the same four people can they make like completely different music that you wouldn't know that it's the same band i think probably yes but uh like we we, we, we were saying we'd be like well, I'm not sure you at this reference point, but I said, oh, yeah, this would be our Dukes of Stratosphere, which yeah. was the XTC's uh, kind of College garage rock. garage band kind of um, offshoot, like kind of, uh, you know, something like from Nuggets. And they very much inhabited that band and made, you wouldn't know it was XTC, and they made two great records. Mm. Yeah, I think we could probably do something like that. <laughs> because it was going that way, but we just then, it just kind of, pushed over into Into. okay now we're releasing this album and we're doing this tour so let's just kind of let's just kind of add this song on here and then leave that for a minute because you know so we do play it at the moment we'll probably play that song by the other bands that's really us in our in our our tour gigs so look out for that are are we allowed to say the name of the other band (laughs) yeah it was uh, shocking grapes shocking grapes oh yeah yeah shocking grapes yeah Um, yeah. Before we could talk through the songs of uh, the new album, tell me about the album cover, which is really striking. It looks, it looks like uh, it's made by someone who really knows their um, uh, geometry. <laughs> well, do I really know my geometry? No, that's interesting. Owen <laughs> made the album. Cover. Yeah, I made the album cover. Yeah, um, we kind of uh, like always bounce ideas. Like at the start of it, Mark suggested. Um, like getting an artist to do it and I was kind of already starting doing drafts of what the album cover might be and Mark sent on a few artists um, that he really liked the stuff of and, and, and one of them was David Lem who is a Scottish sort of graphic artist and he's really really good really amazing geometric shapes and stuff like that I really like really liked his stuff and then I also wanted to sort of put vaguely iconography in it like I had this flag idea in it that kind of because um, I, I know that a lot of your your songs are, are um, like Pity for the Upright Man for example it's kind of like a political character they're all kind of character songs but that that's there's just certain things that he writes into the lyrics that are kind of like make me feel like putting a certain symbol in or a certain thing like that and uh, so I just put these drafts together of, of what the of, of what the album cover was and added in some other little Easter egg type things in and uh, sent it to the lads and then they were like okay that's good so I just kind of had a visual sort of palette then to start doing all the other artwork for um, but I also wanted to keep it similar to the first album cover because you know I feel like we did the first album and it kind of just didn't get to do anything it just kind of sat there because of Covid and stuff we just didn't get to tour it and we didn't really get to promote it or anything so I kind of wanted to make this album similar in in color and stuff to the first album and in geometric geometric shapes so that they kind of sat together as as kind of a a brace of albums um that they're kind of paired together because this tour is kind of as well a tour for both of them because we never got to tour the first one so um yeah i just kind of i just kind of i I did it in a similar way that we wrote the songs i kind of just jammed you know just started putting shapes down and then with certain ideas just trying to enforce that kind of sort of style that I developed from the first album. You talked about Easter eggs there. There's a, a shape on the right hand side which is a map of where 
it's our hell our kind of where we live and the rehearsal studio and the recording studio yeah and the lines all link them together yeah yeah it's kind of like nice. a diagram sort of of how we made it you know and they're all linked together by roots you know so if somebody knows how to line it up they can find out where we are are you, I presume you're a graphic designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you done other album covers? I haven't actually, no. Just Something you might like two. to get yeah, into. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, I've done both of ours and I've done... I think it is both, just both of ours album covers. I've done a lot of posters for theatre and stuff like that. It's a Let's talk through the songs of uh, Sensitive Assignments. Starting off with Don't Have Brain. We talk about being in the studio and trying to come up with the with the ideas there. Are you all coming in with like different influences of what you wanted to sound like? We do. We did for this album and we did for the last album a like a playlist. I was listening back to our first our first conversation three and a half years ago and you talked about like a mood board. Yeah. How th- how that album was like an abrasive band from 1970 or 1979 but now it's 1986 and pop music has kind yeah, of taken over so that's sort yeah. of a thing so i'm imagining like yeah there's lots of 80s influences there does that kind of tick over into this one or is it like new influences we tried not in? to be as contrived yeah in, in yeah. our in our in our kind of like it's funny that you say contrived i thought that was great i thought listening back i thought man that is such a good idea <laughs> i feel yeah. like i feel like we're the we're the same band you know the same character that that idea came from but like it's not it's not a it's not a like a story we're trying to do anymore it's yeah. just we we came up with a few sort of directions we'd like to go and we did make so we made it we made a, a, a playlist um and everyone contributed to it and kind of i think that disciplined our approach to the songs in terms of it wasn't like let's do songs like this but it was it gave you a kind of um parameters i think for did we ever really articulate what we wanted the whole thing to sound like? I'm not sure. Not really, no. But it was more like you can. T- I know. I know what Mark was trying to get at. Like his guitars generally are. He would say scrunky, all the way through. <laughs> yeah. But they're, Scr- they're scrunky but lush. They're supposed to. <laughs> they're supposed to not sound like they. They sound terrible on their own. They have. They only make context. They only make sense in the context of playing against other instruments on the track, and. He's done it really nice. I like, like I think his guitar playing is fabulous on the yeah, record. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 was definitely his approach, and it came from like this, possibly like some jazz influences. Definitely, um, Clinic were an influence on a few things. That for when we're talking about don't ha- don't have brain, I just I would definitely think Portishead on that. Um, yeah. But again, that comes from Owen just playing a piano riff, and I put a randomly put a beat behind it. Yeah, and yeah. Everything just builds up around that. Like again, it's just not it's. It's not really thinking. Yeah, I think in this one we ha- we did have an idea for the playlist for the first album, but this one we just kind of put a mood board together and then exactly that did just no prior ideas got together and just you know with that playlist in mind yeah. and just just ch- see what came just start out of yeah it. just start playing rather than say right this song we is going to you know 
be this kind of song. Yeah. It was more like, yeah, we made we made we made that kind of playlist, mood board sort of thing, and just started playing kind of knowing that we have this stuff in the background yeah. in our minds. And, and if we if we ever got stuck, we'd like listen to a few songs and then stop it and go, Okay, let's try again. And then you know, the mood board would be just generally jumbled up together and whatever ideas we came out came out of it would would kind of come from that. Um, because I actually listened back to the playlist when we finished the album and through it and tonally like like a lot of the songs are completely different like you never they'd never be on the same album as each other but listening through the playlist a lot of our album definitely like is influenced by it you know rhythmically or or like even just chord choices harmonic choices and stuff like that um, you, you could totally hear sort some of it come from there but like it's funny I always thought that like uh, Strictly Come Dancing comes from um, that Robert Palmer song yeah uh, woke up la- woke up laughing which is one song's page kind of brought in and you started playing a riff and I'm thinking oh yeah it's kind of like that but then actually I listened to the two of them together and they're just afterwards no nothing, yeah. there's no concept, there's no, no similarity but I think it was definitely in the air when we did it like mm. so I don't know. it's just a, the idea of those two chords we, we did a lot of that yeah like use two chords um, and build the whole song around two chords um, so yeah in that song he's just he's got this kind of sequence synthesizing woke up laughing and it just plays these two chords the whole way through and we just kind of got that and was like okay turn it off and then jammed something and then the whole that song came out of it and that song is like structurally nothing like woke up laughing and harmonically either uh, we've talked like a lot musically about the album and the band what about lyrically Podrick is it just you and Paddy who are kind of responsible for the lyrics how does how does that kind of work yeah it's funny Paddy has an approach to his own music as well to this he likes writing in the studio as in he writes right he likes writing lyrics just before he's about to record which is why it's, it can be very entertaining to listen to his lyrics in rehearsals like before they've been written like and it's like just he's a, he's a great man for uh you know <laughs> non-lyrics yeah. you know? Um, yeah, but uh, so uh, like I could, I could go through them I suppose some of the, so on some of the I think two of the songs were kind of written in the studio lyrically me and Paj sat down and wrote Strictly Come Dancing in the kitchen in the studio before we went in and did our bits uh, I had a kind of chorus I had the the chorus kind of half written yeah. but then but apart from that it was and uh, Blue Yodel which is uh, kind of a <coughs> woozy song, car- very character song. Again, we sat down in the studio and came up with the idea of this character, and we wrote. And, and I, I look back at that and I'd say, oh, you know, that could have done a little bit of editing, as in we could have went back and replaced a few words in that and just kind of come up with better words at different points. But yeah, again, that was kind of, but it was that was the approach, and he likes that approach, and it's to, to, yeah, just to basically, in the moment, come up with the lyric and uh, go and record it and then some of them are more premeditated like Pity for Upright Man I wrote it I wrote at home myself the lyric for it and then myself and Padge had a Zoom call where we were going to like then formally write the lyrics and I said right here's a starting point and uh, we we ended up having a row on the Zoom call (laughs) about like what the lyric should be and what the character should be and I cleverly just kind of like buried it then and we didn't talk with the lyrics again and when it came to record it he he was like oh we never we never ended up writing lyrics for that song and I was like yeah just use my track <laughs> so um, uh, I love the lyrics to that song yeah, but then uh, yeah so it's, it's some of them here now Birdie Birdie again here now Birdie Birdie was a genuine collaboration between me and Padge we, yeah. we like we wrote that in a again a Zoom call 
probably, you know, times when it was normal to have Zoom calls with people. But when you're having raves on Zoom calls, I guess it's just easy just to like press the hang yeah, up button yeah, and, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. and write your own thing. Yeah, uh, Road to the Mess. Road to the Mess is actually the only song on the record that was kind of somewhat pre-written in terms of it was a demo I had years ago. Mm. But we, the whole, the whole feel of it is very ultramondized. But yeah, I would have wrote the lyrics then just kind of normally, you know, at home or whatever. Um, sensitive Assignments, the last one, mostly my lyrics. The last section has some page in it. Um, that was funny. We yeah, that but that was exactly that was we were we were recording we were recording the lyrics for that and for the the last section, which is kind of a lot of kind of um, kind of random lines, uh, so sensitive something something else, something like and it was basically Page digging through his his lyric journals looking for like <laughs> lines to line. throw in. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then like kind of callbacks to previous lyrics in the song in the song itself. I found that um, process to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, like just writing before they recorded and you know collaborating with the words and stuff it was, it was very exciting <laughs> as in like is it actually going to come together almost yeah yeah <laughs> so but like also just like Padraig would come up with an idea for like this character or this kind of story and then Padge like because Padge is very good at like like we have this whole sort of cinematic universe that he's developed um in his in his own head that he'll just take us take an idea and he'll just run with it and run with it and run with it and like endlessly endlessly like forever he's still coming up with ideas now but like you'd finish a song and then you'd have another idea for this story or whatever but he'd do it with the songs like so if you probably come up with this character or this idea then he would and it just it was very funny as well like you both just be kind of like riffing off of this idea the story and came up with some very interesting strange lyrics because of it I think and and just bringing it back to the opening track, Don't Have Brain, what what is it about and like what what made it the, the kind of the opener of the album? Uh I well I think the, the 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 reason it's the opener of the album is musical. I think it just has I think it's really strong and it's I think it's just a bracing kind of uh track to be honest. Um it, it, it's to me one of the strongest songs. Um I also like the way that Don't Have Brain builds layer by layer for the opening track like yeah. it starts off with a drum beat a drum machine which yeah. is kind of new for we didn't use them on the last album it's a good example of our you know how we approach the album it seems very emblematic of the whole writing process lyrically it's one of the most abstract ones like i i picture so basically the verse lyrics which is the really repetitive bit are paddy's lyrics and then the bit where i come in in the chorus is me and i I thought of the v- chorus lyrics as being kind of um, uh, almost like, you know, uh, Billy Bragg's waiting for the Great Leap Forward. Some Paddy's going to hate that. He hates Billy Bragg. I'm glad <laughs> to get that but he won't listen. Either. No, he won't. Um, but but um, the, uh, the, the, um, in, in the, the whole idea of the person is longingly waiting for the world to change and like for like, you know, something better to happen in, you know, their kind of, I've thought of them as like an activist of some kind, I suppose. Um, and in Padge's verse, it seems to be about zombies. Here they come, here they come. Yeah, they're like basically kind of hold, being holed up in a video shop with zombies coming to get you. And I thought, in some way, when you step back from it, that's a nice juxtaposition or a nice mesh as well, I think, the two concepts. Yeah, like I like that kind of, yeah, Paddy's lyric is kind of like, the world is this way, and then 
your chorus is kind of it's like, kind of some kind of like hope for this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like yeah. To, to have come up with that from two points of view and it become this. So yeah, it is. But again, it's it's quite a, it's quite it's it's a sparse enough lyric, and it's you know it's a lot of repetition. It's you know it's yeah it is what it is. But it works well like, in terms of if you consider the lyric just as part of the overall musical piece. I think it's yeah it does the job. second track i'll take this uh as a literal title um before you want to like talk about what it's what it's like um back in spring 2020 like you had the tour cancelled you know you kind of talk about the album didn't have kind of almost a proper release and stuff like were you feeling and and yeah like sent or uh didn't get to go to texas um for the uh, south by southwest like were you feeling just like i don't know was there a lot of pity in the band like oh just yeah I'd say there probably was. I mean, look, everybody obviously had something ruined on them. Um, I was really annoyed that day, the night when we found out, which was yeah. the night we were before we were supposed to go. So, but it's it's really, like events just overtook it so quickly. That it just seemed like yeah. almost like it was a stupid thing anyway. Like and kind of it, it, disappointment about it probably came a bit later for me. I didn't really. I just kind of got. Yeah. But, but but I don't. Yeah. I mean that it's it's actually interesting. That I, I love it. Like. So the song is really it's not about the band, it's not autobiographical or anything like that. But I do like rereading kind of uh word choices and titles back into bands. I do it myself. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, um that is good. Yeah. So no, it was it the, the the song is um the song is about a I had been um kind of reading a lot about Thomas Sankara, who was the president of uh, Burkina Faso in the eighties and was a to my mind like a you know a, a brilliant figure who um introduced a lot of great kind of reforms and kind of was a real anti-colonial powerhouse and and he was assassinated as people like that tend to be by his close associates who were you know uh, probably working with french british intelligence anyway i thought you know I just started writing it and I was kind of like, you can't just write a song about Thomas Sankara. That's kind of it. So the song ends up with a, a, a layer of uh, distance from it. So the song is about a guy who is, you know, a fanboy of Thomas Sankara and is trying to impress somebody else with the knowledge of this uh, kind of uh, arcane, uh, esoteric figure. If, you know, and Could work. It's something that really only kind of works in his brain. So that's what the song's about. So I'm pity for upright man refers to so upright man, the land of the upright man is what Burkina Faso translates to. Sankara re- renamed the country from Upper Volta to Burkina Faso. So, um, 
So that's one line. Then obviously, upright man, he's trying to impress a love interest. We can read innuendo into that as well. So. <laughs> dancing uh, says the superficially the lyrics are inspired by the story of the parents in Anna Burns Milkman who abandoned their family for a life of full-time ballroom dancing so are, are a lot of your lyrical ideas kind of coming from books or art or other stuff that you've read or yeah not a, not 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 really consciously but I and I and I find a very I've an un, unstructured approach to lyric writing like I write lyrics when I have a song that needs lyrics rather than pro- I don't proactively write lyrics I always write in reaction to a tune is Paddy the opposite is he always writing lyrics no no I'd no? say he's oh, very okay. he's, he's almost oh, like right. more like he said, ex- just, he's almost more extreme version of, of, of me in terms of he yeah he, he's all music and then the, the words kind of are in this play kind of some, somewhat you'll work, the, work their way into a song somewhere so yeah, I mean that 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 book. I mean, I'm not, I actually didn't even. I, I, I thought I was enjoying it. I can't say I finished the book. I got <laughs> about two thirds way through it, and it's not. It's just, you know, sometimes you're busy and you don't finish books. But I did. I, I did uh, kind of that kind of. There's a there's a small piece at the start of the in, in the start of the book. Maybe it's not small. Maybe it becomes important. But it's the the what the main characters. It's kind of giving their family background or whatever, and the parents have abandoned them to go for you know to go on a to become professional ballroom dancers traveling the world. I just thought that was a, an interesting little uh, idea to build a song around, because songs should be small ideas. Like you can't tell big stories in songs unless you're going to have a very, very, very big, long song. So I just took that aspect of, of the book and uh, ran with it. Like, so it's a song that's kind of superficially just about that, but it's also, it's kind of a revenge song is wrong. It's a song about like, taking satisfaction in the kind of downfall of your wrongdoers or enemies I suppose um, uh, in general rather than in this particular story the character is kind of looking on at these people and saying well you know you weren't you weren't very happy in the end were you and musically it's very synth led I'm guessing this is you Owen who's kind of like uh, driving the song or creating the song yeah. maybe yeah this was Strictly Come Dancing was the one that we said we listened to that Robert Palmer song uh, woke up laughing, laughing just the intro to it which was the sequence synthesizer part and then just were like okay right now let's write the song and um, I I have a sort of novation that I was playing with that's kind of what I brought to all of the, the writing sessions and found a sound that was you know 
bright like that sound and then just came up with this chord progression then you podrick put a drum beat to that and then uh on the the drum machine and then we just kind of ran with that for a while and jammed it and jammed it and jammed it and built on it and then when we decide we need a chorus then you know i just come up with another chord progression to put on top of it that complements it and you know like that's what i, I loved so much about that writing process that is, it does almost feel like things like that you just kind of you just kind of took them you know you tried one idea for a chord progression for a chorus and it just worked because everybody was on board with it straight away you know and then your bass line then totally sections the song you know like brings one section into the next section and stuff like that and it really naturally came to it wasn't like try this oh that didn't work try this that didn't work it was try this and it was like okay that's good and then put something else on it and there wasn't like drafts of the music it was basically like one thing on top of another until it was a song and i think i think that was yeah i think it was a really sort of entertaining process it was a 41 in terms of that song i think changed character a lot in the recording studio mm-hmm. um there's a, there's definitely an element of baggy about it like yeah, it does, temp- i think of the, the tempo i think of the, the stone roses which certainly wouldn't be a Con- a conscious uh, influence, really, but <laughs> the bongos. I, I th- uh, yeah, it's the bongos, and it's the the guitar. The the so Mark start. He's good northwest of England uh, lad. <laughs> it's just yeah, in his blood. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just in his blood. But he starts playing like twelve string guitars. Yeah, and, like yeah. the big giant, big jangles. Big, so if you add big jangles, kind of mid tempo shuffly beat bongos, bongos sixteenths on the high. Where hands. you where you get, like you know where, what do you end up with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Then the synth riff kind of yeah, the synth grounds riff just it. goes against it, it. Like, and the, the whole yacht rock chorus yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. kind of um, is obviously not very Stone Rosesy, but uh, that was a I find thing, I'm kind of so. it's uh, it makes me smile because I was I was a little Stone Roses fan as a teenager, <laughs> and uh, kind of um, uh, you know never really approached mu- making music like with them as an influence or whatever, but. Uh, I'm glad now that I can look back on my life and say <laughs> I did a bit you of a Stone to. Roses song. <laughs> Do you ever uh, go back and listen to the Stone Roses? You, is it just like the debut album? Do you ever listen to anything past the, the debut album? I liked the, the debut album and the kind of B-sides and that kind of stuff around that time. Um, the second album is not great. Like, yeah. I, mean, it's, it's, I like a couple of songs off it. Um, actually, yeah. I, I mean, I like 10 Story Love song. I think that's a nice pop song. But like... Um, no, I mean, if that's what I did, I listened to, at, again, at the start of COVID, going on big long walks. One thing I did was uh, just took some kind of like albums that I really loved years ago and gave them a full listen through, which you know, very, very, very rarely listen to full albums through without getting interrupted nowadays, I suppose. But the pandemic times pre having a child was definitely a time to do that. And it's an absolutely brilliant record. Yeah, it really it's is. It's a brilliant record. I did the same thing during COVID. It likes it very much to be pleasant. It's a really kind of tight song. I think those are the only lyrics on the song, and it's kind yep. of like almost the same riff throughout mm-hmm. as well. Tell, tell me about that song. Another one of own synth riffs. Yeah. So that that song, um, there's this other sound which I always. It was. It's right beside the sound I use for "I Want My Enemies to Prosper," and sometimes I go onto it by accident. 
and play it and I always thought it was just a really funny sound and I never thought I'd use it for anything um, so I started doing this just this riff like on a little bit of downtime that I just thought was really stupid and clown music or something <laughs> and uh, and I was like just uh, that's this is dumb and then Padraig was just like no no keep playing that keep playing that and I was like okay and I just kept doing it um, and then basically the same thing again like just put a bass line on top of it it would just we just basically just plonking stuff on top of this riff or underneath it actually and coming up with a song but I thought it was I thought it was really silly and but like if it wasn't for somebody just going no no we'll make a song out of it and now I think that might be my favorite song on the album it just kind of builds up so mm. yeah so yeah it is it is very repetitive um and obviously the the whole from very early on I thought that this this song shouldn't have like lyrics mm. as such it shouldn't have like a developed lyric it should just be a slogan I think so uh, it likes it very much to be happy or to be pleasant sorry is a line that some toy monkey says my wife was always saying the line that what says? it's like a toy monkey she had oh. as a kid <laughs> and it says it likes it very much to be pleasant <laughs> and uh, it just sort of it just, came, it just came into my, into my head <laughs> that's right I remember yeah. you sent that in a message you were like I think it should be called I li- it likes it very much to be pleasant and that should be the only lyrics and I was like I love that idea. Yeah, it's what I like talking through the uh, songs and like people revealing their creative process. This song started started from like a comedy riff yeah. and like a com- a toy monkey. A toy monkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because when we actually sat down and went through all the ideas, as I was talking about earlier, um, we you know one by one, and we started playing that. Like, I think I don't think Mark had been that day, been there that day when yeah, we uh, yeah. when we when we just did like a couple of minutes of jamming on that little synth riff, and as soon as we played it, he went. Yeah, well, we're definitely in that one. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it appealed to him straight away. <laughs> exactly. And I thought, to me, it always sounded like Devo. Yeah. And it was called Devo. Devo it was called Riff. Devo, or the something. demo was called Devo Riff, whatever. And, but then when I came up with the bass line, and this is probably the end to do with my limitations as a musician, the bass line to me sounds like the Breeders. Yeah. And eventually now, it's, it's, it's funny how when you put things, so I thought we had all, oh, we have got this little spiky Devo thing that we can turn into a, but. What it actually turned out into is yes, it has a little Devo synth riff. The Breeders bass line comes in, and when it all kicks in, it's a bit like Hey Bulldog by the Beatles, but mostly it's like Blur. I think. <laughs> yeah. And none of that, yeah, yeah, none, yeah. none of that was properly planned or conscious. It's it's, yeah, sometimes you just have to, and stuff. Sometimes you just have to run with what's kind of uh, given to you. I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's to me overall, I think it sounds it's a good fun track. Blue Yodel 21 is Paddy almost whispering all the lyrics throughout and then suddenly he unleashes this like unbelievable uh, high note uh, again that must have just been that must have just been uh, fun to witness in the in the studio yeah, yeah very much so it's always fun to watch him recording lyrics. <laughs> yeah so that that's one where he really got into his kind of actorly um, uh, persona as such I like the kind of the very last low line before the falsetto comes in he goes the only gift I have for you. <laughs> and you can't, listener, you can't see this, but there's a kind of a camp point. Camp point. <laughs> Think of it like a, a very stagey point going to you. <laughs> and he actually did it while he was yeah. singing it. That's the thing. He's uh, always, he's always like, he moves a lot and like he really gets into when he's, when he's recording vocals. Like he clearly loves doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just so much fun to watch him do it. But it's, a, it's, a, it's very interesting because there is a melody there, but the melody is totally, and, and it's Paddy's, melody and you could probably take it down to its its 
finer points and play it on a little keyboard or something and say that's this is that melody but it's almost like the melody doesn't really um the delivery is it's so actually and ma- mannered is the wrong word it's yeah so theatrical that the melody like it often in musical theater yeah, and stuff yeah. it's very musical theater the melody plays second fiddle to the character yeah and yeah, delivery yeah. the song and then but then it kicks into that um the kind of uh you know the falsetto bit at the end which is a nice hook which is great hook. The, that was that was that was a strange one that was an instrumental for a long time that song it was just kind of the three of us it was me you and mark playing this kind of woozy thing it didn't yeah, even yeah. have it didn't have drums which are on the obviously equipment the tracker at the, at the end oh it did have drums sorry you had that kind of had a had a drum had a oh, drum yeah, machine yeah. thing that went all the way through but it was like you know this is yeah, we th- I certainly thought of it as an instrumental, and then because yeah. Paddy used to kind of just sit there, not really contributing a lot of time to it, but just he was thinking. obviously thinking yeah. of what he was going to do. So, cause, so because I remember saying one day, yeah, sure, you know, mentioning that this would be an instrumental, and he was like, no, 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 it's not an instrumental. We've got, we've got <laughs> oh, you have an idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, you know, it's great. Like the, I really love the vocal and the, the yeah, that, I, his I idea is fabulous that. on that one. It's a nice yeah. kind of breather in the album as well. Like you know, uh, especially after it likes it very much to be pleasant, and you just get this kind of bath of of sounds that you just get to like sit in for a minute. But then at the end, it's like okay, we're back to an album again. And we and did I'm, the annoying thing where uh, we like it starts to kind of rock out. There's and, a really uh, nice bit, but we fade it out straight away. Yeah, it's like, yeah. ah, no, you don't get that. You don't get that. <laughs> that was always my favorite bit to jam as well <laughs> when we were in the studio. Is the bit that comes in right as it starts to fade out. Me and Mark were doing this like, do do do, sort of very rhythmic piano and gu- guitar thing, and it's just like, no, we're fading oh. it out there, and it's like, <laughs> and I love that even more. Here now, birdie, birdie. Is this another kind of uh, reference to like a toy? No. Uh, so here now, childhood? birdie, birdie is a real character character song, and it's sorry, yeah, it's one that we myself and Paddy wrote on Zoom together, and it's uh, as in lyrically, sorry, but like uh, musically, it's it's the maddest song on the record in terms of none of us know how, none of us know where the one is or how to actually start the song. It's really hard. Generally, I have to look at Mark, and he goes. Yeah, it starts um, because the beat is bizarre, like. Um, but and it's it's my fault because I came up with the beat on a drum machine, but I came up with it just by pressing random pads and lots, and then like, so I don't really know how it goes. So the character is supposed to be like a 
a Franciscan priest, I suppose, or not maybe not a priest, but some kind of some. A, it's like the reincarnation of Saint Francis, possibly. Um, so it's some guy, it's like, and he's kind of like just generally preaching and kind of is overwhelmed by the modern world, I suppose, and by kind of people are kind of looking at him and taking pictures and he's... he's, he's reclusive. Yeah, guy. he's a re- basically a, rec- a reclusive um, person who feels nature strongly and can't can't deal with the horrific environment that, uh, you know, surrounds him. This intro, I like that this... this there's just some little nice little interesting lyrical bits in it where he goes, um, you your travelers checking, uh you know, the strap strap ball hanging. And it's almost like that he's outdated uh or so he's he's trying to kinda of like he's trying to kind of criticize tourists, I suppose, or people who are kind of like taking pictures of him. And he's starting to think only can think of is like you with your travelers checks as if I knew you have travelers checks now. <laughs> um so um yeah, I thought that was a nice little that one's probably the most thing. lyric. Probably has the most lyrics in it of all the songs, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of, the other idea for that was just to yeah, have more verses than you would expect or want, <laughs> and but like just to build up build up kind of uh, tension. Like by the last verse, before there's a little kind of middle section, and by the last verse, the the singer is kind of um, losing their reason. I would have thought Road to Domestos, the second last song on the album, might be the most lyric driven. This is kind of, uh, what does it say, the existential and practical adaptation to becoming a family man. Ah, yes, that's 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 it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, Road to Domestos. Great is title. A, a, yeah, I, I always thought it was a good title, and I always thought, why does nobody have a song called Road to Domestos? <laughs> but I never thought to check <laughs> until oh. about uh, six weeks ago I checked and... Uh, Carter USM had a song called Roads and Mestos and they're like just, I wish it had been like you know Lou Reed or something had yeah. a song called Roads and Mestos <laughs> but no it was the, the, the awful early 90s band Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine had <laughs> a song called The Road to the Mestos I never I, I haven't never, heard they I got still, there I first. still to this I haven't heard it I didn't go and listen to it and I, but I did look at the lyrics to it and they, doesn't, they don't say Roads and Mestos in the lyrics oh I don't think so maybe they it. accidentally called it that no, it's one of those songs that has yeah um, but uh, anyway the idea of it was that obviously the road to the mess, the mess was being like a cleaning uh, a bleach that you would use when you're kind of um, you know cleaning the house and you know becoming domesticated and also I got the idea because it's the road to Domestos that like you basically might be the road to like drinking bleach that got dark yeah, yeah. so that's the that's the well that's that's what you're that's the 
thing I was trying to convey in the yeah. song. And again, it's not necessarily a personal thing. The the thing I had in mind was um, the first Grinder Man album. I'm not a huge like I'm I'm not a massive Nick Cave fan, but I do have certain things that that uh, stick with me, and I really liked how funny that first Grinder Man album was. And I liked the idea of him presenting as a this idea of the you know the macho idea of the artist who's uh, like you know yeah. sexually driven isn't yeah he? but uh, but unconcerned yeah that too but also just kind of the artist searching for some kind of like truth or something yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or who's called to some higher purpose but spends most of their life doing mundane normal things like uh, I don't know cleaning the car or like you know bringing the kids to cinema or something yeah, turning the heat knob all, all that kind of stuff and that album I think is very funny in the way it um, it jars those things together. It's almost like, geez, it nearly reminds me of Eastbound and Down or something. That like uh, <laughs> the the kind of uh, the 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 humor is in the kind of the person's conception of themselves versus like you know the kind of the actual realities of their day to day life. So anyway, I tried to bring that into Road to the Mestos, and uh, that's so that that's the yeah the lyric for that song. It has big big chorus which um, Paddy does a ludicrous harmony on <laughs> there's no synths on that song isn't there not that's the no, only song on the album no it's a four piece jam like it started we thought we thought of it like the Rolling Stones and actually yeah. when we recorded it was a bit like the Rolling Stones because he played Owen played like a honky tonk piano on it and it was like oh this is like the Stones in like 1971 or something <laughs> um, you know obviously like giving ourselves too much credit but uh, <laughs> but we also As thought usual. that didn't we also thought that didn't fit into the album so Daniel uh Daniel's mix kind of takes some of that away from us and yeah. uh, um, makes it a little, fits it a little bit more in with the the. I would say when's the time zone? I think we're in this. We're in the late seventies, really, with the the sonic palette of the record, and yeah, maybe are we? Or we're in the nineties? Yeah, both. Both. <laughs> we're just not in the eighties anymore. Yeah, that's the just, only thing. That's, yeah. that's the important point. 70s and 90s just a quick aside um, speaking of like domestic duties and stuff what are your least favourite chores around that what's your least favourite chore around the house mine is uh, most definitely ironing I absolutely I uh, do your mistake there is to be <laughs> doing ironing yes yeah, <laughs> I just don't do it look <laughs> <laughs> let me think oh uh, we have a grease trap that's very bad Ooh. shower that's plug the shower plug shower off. plug's bad it's uh, it's yeah. Really, really we we awesome. we don't need to we don't need to talk about any of this stuff. Let's go into yeah. detail on the shower. <laughs>
And finally, we're on to uh, the final song. I mean, the final four songs. How, how do you see Sensitive Assignment, um, the the title track of the album? Yeah. Uh, so lyrically, it's about... Um, well, this is the only thing. Because, we, because the song is in four parts and it could be construed as like um, just jamming sections together that aren't related... The lyric is very related. So the first part tells the first. It's it's the story of somebody being released from prison, but told from three different perspectives. So the first start is the, the first one is his mother addressing a what I think is a younger brother or one of her sons who's the younger brother of the guy who got released, and uh, basically you know telling him in a, in a, like again kind of musical theatre way it's to you know go and collect your brother. And uh, we get the background story of the brother, and he's in prison for like some kind of an arms deal. <laughs> um, but uh, and the second part is supposed to convey the brother walking to the pub to get the to get his brother. I'm just using the word brother all the time. <laughs> and the brother. third part is uh, the guy who's being released from prison, giving his side of the story. I you know don't listen to. Don't listen to our our mother. Come out with me and have a good time. I am a free man, and I'm going to behave as such. And the fourth part is the kind of rave up, where it's the younger brother has decided. Yeah, listen, I'm gonna as well to be hung for a sheep as a lamb. I'm going on the tear. <laughs> I love the way that those lyrics kind of fit with a sort of musical the sort of tone of each part of the song as well like the, the mother talking to the son at the start is very kind of foreboding and look, she's obviously very concerned but then the other sections and Paddy's sort of performance of it is just very joyous and it's like it's hard to know whether he is a bad guy or not yeah yeah it when, is hard you, to when you're listening to it and it's like she's yeah was this a hard one to finish up because it's four parts because it's over a 10 minute song bizarrely it was yeah. the easiest song oh, on record easiest song to yeah. write easiest song to record and we never get it wrong when we play it and we never got it wrong once like even like joining the two parts together we were always like oh this one's going to be tough to play and then it's instantly it just yeah. came together what, like, why, why is that why do you I, think I actually have no idea because e- everything about it says like that it would be difficult to pull off in the studio writing it and uh, rehearsing and playing it live like you know because you have to go from this instrument to this instrument and then Paddy has to come in and sing and stuff like that but it never for some reason it just I don't know it just always flowed really well it just uh, kind of almost uh, uh, randomly avoids or accidentally avoids some of the complications that the other songs have Yeah, there's no timing complications yeah 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 there's no um, the drums stop when they have to and there's no technological stuff that can get in the way really and uh, all the parts are just are fairly easy to play there's lots of repetition in them yeah 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 and the last section is just fun, like it's just fun. You're just jamming on a on a like an Afrobeat kind of thing, and it's it's just really enjoyable. Mm. Um, and it's a nice thing. You kind of feel like you've, you're out of the woods when you get to it. Like yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, this is a song also kind of like calling it sensitive assignments parts one to four. I always felt like it's kind of like you know a cap on the whole album because a lot of the songs feel like they're about just these kind of like they're like kind of character pieces and then this song it's almost like because we referenced the end as well we referenced Peter, Pity for the Upright Man in it and it's almost like the sort of characters could be linked in some way or I don't know they're just kind of odd people or something but it just it just kind of like paints the whole across the I whole. think the 
I think the uh, younger brother in Sense of Assignment could easily be the guy in Pity for a Friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just no, all comes together. Yeah, mm. like when you told me what the song was about, I just kind of like, oh, yeah. It's just knitted together. And I don't really like that we called it that then as well. Cool. Yeah. Great, uh, great final song and great album. Thanks for chatting through it all. I think Thanks it covers very much, everything. Yeah, and uh, yeah, best of luck with it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Are you the man?